Zechariah 5, 5 through 11. Then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, what is it? He said, this is the basket that is going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, and they, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. This is the word of the Lord. All right, raise your hand if you had a uh, women with stork wings on your church bingo card this morning. Anyone? Um, it's weird, right? If you're visiting here at Redeemer or this is maybe even your first time in, in church in a very long time or, or, or possibly ever, um, a, a story like that, a, a dream, a vision like that uh, is, is a pretty weird one. But what's happening in the stories, and, and if you've been here for a few weeks, you've probably heard us talk about equally strange sorts of dreams. They're dreams that, that come to a man, a prophet named Zechariah, as he is, is hoping to help lead his people in building a new city, a new Jerusalem. You see, their city and their people had been savaged by war and, and taken off as prisoners, and they are the remnant who has returned, a remnant who has this remarkable chance to rebuild Jerusalem, to set it right, to not recreate the mistakes of the, their forefathers and their foremothers. There are people who have a chance to do something new. And so each dream helps them understand what this new Jerusalem that God is building, the, the hopes and the dreams of how it will be true and real flourishing will happen. And the vision we had today was one part of that. It was one part of it because, you see, with all the weirdness, the very simple thing, right? That there is a villain that has attacked and, and rampaged in this town, that there is a villain that will not cease in bringing enmity to that place. There is a villain that must be removed if this city is to be made new. And we meet her under the name of wickedness. You see, God's dream is not that this Jerusalem would be just like the one that was destroyed long ago, but that this would be a city, a city where his people could flourish. And he says for that to happen in verse 6, that their iniquity, their, their evilness, their sinfulness from all the land must go. It's got to go. But what I fear as we read this, what I fear is we read that God wants to take all of the evil out of this world, that we hear something different than what God says. And I remember this little clip. If, I don't know if you all are fans of a show called Parks and Recreation, Parks and Rec. But in that show, there's this character, Ron Swanson. And Ron is this uh, kind of gruff, 
uh, manager of the department and a man whose interests include uh, woodworking, being by himself, and red meat, right? Those are his loves in life. And in one, uh, in one episode, Ron goes to this diner and he asks for steak and they don't have steak. And he says this, he says, well, then just give me all the bacon and eggs that you have. And the waitress looks at him kind of, you know, strange and goes, uh, oh, okay. And she starts walking back to the kitchen. And he goes, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I'm afraid, I'm worried that what you just heard me say was, I want a lot of bacon and eggs. When what I said is, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand me? And the, you know, the waitress nods her head and runs off. Because there's a difference between a lot and all. When God comes and he says, I want all of the evil from your midst, there's a, a big temptation in us to hear God saying, I want a, a lot of the evil to come out of your midst. And so I think what God is showing us in this vision is this is God saying to us, wait, wait, wait. I'm afraid what you heard me say was I want a lot of evil gone. But what he says, but what I really said is I want all the evil gone from your midst. I want it taken away to a land where it will never be seen from or heard from again. But what I want us to look at today is, is, is that if there is some way that we are like that waitress, right? If there is some way in which we are, are limiting the all, if we're changing God's all to a, a lot, I want us to be able to, to ask ourselves, why is that? Where is that happening in our minds? Where is it happening maybe in ways that we don't even understand ourselves? And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at three different ways that we limit all. All three different ways that we try to, to minimize or, or to qualify what God has said he is going to do. So the first we're going to look at is, is a quality limit. The second is a partisan limit. And the third is a load limit. I'll remind you of those as we go along. The first is a quality limit. Whether you are a Christian or not, if you are a human, you understand at, at, at a core this idea, right? That there is evil in the world, that there is wickedness in the world that must depart if peace and flourishing is to occur, right? There are things that are so heinous in human civilization that they simply have to go. There's murder. There's rape. There's a third lane on Poplar Avenue in East Memphis, right? But really, there is a, there's a sense in which it doesn't matter what uh, faith you subscribe to. It doesn't matter if you've heard of Christianity at all, right? That we understand. Our, we're in the middle of an election, right? Nobody running for judge in Shelby County this election cycle. No one running for a district attorney is saying, you know what, um, all this violence that occurs in our city, that's A-OK. -okay. We're good to keep going with that, right? No, nobody, everyone says, no, you know what, these, these brutal uh, acts of violence, they've, they've got to go, right? These gangs have to go. These, uh, the failing education of our city, it must go. The failing health care has to go. 
Right? There are things that are evil in our midst, and if, and if we're going to be a, a city that is made new, a city that is growing, is improving, these things have to go. But when we read Zechariah's vision, and we start talking about a, a basket full of iniquities, or we start using this, this Christian word, sin, we start to get a little nervous, and some of us rightfully so. Because we've been around Christians a lot. We've read the Bible a lot. And when they start talking about sin and iniquities, they start condemning every tit, every little thing that occurs in our life. Every little misstep seems to be a problem, something that's going to bring about the end of the world. And how can you live like that? For a few years, I worked for an organization in this office, and it's hard to describe the office culture of this place to you. Um, but it was, a, it was a place that was very focused on uh, procedure, on policies, on everyone following along with, with the prescribed plan for how work was to be done. They hired uh, essentially a, a, a bunch of type I type A personalities, right, to come and to be meticulous in completing all of their duties. I remember it was maybe, you know, my first couple weeks there, I, uh, I don't even remember what it was. I went and, and took, a, uh, I printed off um, some procedures or something from the printer, and I, and I stapled them, and, and I took them to a colleague, and I handed them to her. And uh, a little bit later, 30 minutes later, that colleague comes to my cubicle, and she's got a packet of papers in her hand. And the packet of papers that she hands it to me um, is a procedure on the proper way to staple the corner of a packet of papers, right? You've got, you've got like the horizontal staple that you could do. There's a vertical staple. There's a diagonal staple. Some of y'all are looking at me like... What is he even talking about? There's different ways to staple. They had a written procedure, a two-page long written procedure on the proper way to staple a packet of papers. And in this document, they were making the argument, oh, well, if everyone in the office staples the papers the same way, then it will increase our uh, efficiency, right? We'll do away with needless removing of staples and restapling. And I thought to myself, you know what might help us more is just not writing a two-page long policy on how to staple papers, right? What might be more efficient is if we just deal with a diversity of stapling techniques. And some of you, when we start talking about in, uh, inequities, right? I'm sorry. When we start talking about iniquities, not inequities, iniquities in church, when we start talking about sins, we start feeling like we're in the middle of somebody handing us a, a, a policy packet on how to staple the papers, right? It starts feeling like somebody is coming after us, looking into every corner of our lives, looking for something that's wrong, looking for something to blame, and claiming that it will make our lives better. I imagine uh, a merchant who hears the story of Zechariah, a merchant who, who dealt with the kinds of baskets that he sees in his vision, because uh, when he, here in this text, when it, it's translated as the word basket, 
But what the Hebrew word is, is, is an ipa. An ipa was a unit of measurement, right? It was the, it was the standard unit for, uh, for selling grain in the marketplace. And so a merchant who sold, uh, his, who sold grain in the marketplace would be very familiar with this unit of measurement because it was his daily life, right? There's, even a, there's actually even a phrase in a different prophet that says kind of the motto of a businessman, right? Make your epa smaller and make your shekels greater, your, unit, your money better, right? It's, it's a very simple economics, right? You reduce the amount that you're selling, you make the basket a little bit smaller than the standard unit, and you can sell it for more money. And so for the merchant on the square, uh, he, he sees this basket coming, and he goes, oh, iniquities. I know where this is going. Somebody who doesn't understand my business is going to come, and they're going to say that, well, that's, uh, that's a dishonest unit of measurement you're wearing you're using here. This unit of measurement is, is taking advantage of people, that you ought to change the way that you do business. And you can imagine the merchant feeling like somebody is just yipping at him with small, little things, not the things that are really bad with the world. And he says, God, this is, these people, they can see what they're buying. This isn't wickedness. This is just business. Maybe you've never sold uh, grain and an IPA at the marketplace, all right? But maybe there's uh, something similar to that in your life, something that you consider to be so normal that when the Bible starts saying that that is evil, when the Bible starts saying that's wickedness, you go, they just, the Bible just doesn't understand my life, right? And so you say, uh, well, this worker who works for me, They were willing to accept this salary even though I know that I'm not paying them what they're worth. And we say, that's just business. And God says, that's wickedness, and it's got to go. Or we could switch to a different genre, right? We say, God, uh, no, 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 you don't understand. My sexuality, that's just biology, not wickedness. And God says, no, I want all of the evil in all of the land to go, including that. We say, God, no, my my greed is not wickedness. That's just being human. How can you, to err is human, right? And God says, no, 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 no. I want all of the evil in all the parts of the world to go. We say, my love of violence, that's not wickedness. That's just uh, self-defense. And God says, No, 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 no. If Jerusalem is going to be made new, then there can be no hint of evil left in its midst. It all must come, and here's why. Because he says, look inside the basket to our hypothetical merchant. Look inside the basket, and there's this little... um, There's this little unmasking, right? Have you all seen that, that show, The Masked Singer? Seems like a terrible concept for a show, although I admit I've never seen it, right? But there's some celebrity that sings, and then at the end, they rip off the mask and reveal who it is. It's, It's kind of this dramatic unveiling that occurs in here. Because what the the merchant may expect to be in the basket, maybe some grain, 
the shortchanged grain that he has sold in the marketplace. But what he finds in there is something that startles him, something that surprises him. It says that there is a woman sitting in the basket. And God says this, and the angel says, this is wickedness, and thrusts her back into the basket. And then they take that basket and they bring it to the land of Shinar, which in the Bible is this place that is... Um, that symbolizes human rebellion. It's a place where the Tower of Babel was once built. It is the place uh, where humans go when they want nothing to do with God. And there, that woman is built a, a, a house or a temple. And you start to realize that this woman is not a, a woman at all. This woman is an idol. And for somebody who just came back to Jerusalem... For somebody who, who has, whose life was destroyed, their family's life was destroyed because of idolatry. Because you've got to remember the history. These people were, Jerusalem was destroyed because they were a people who celebrated idols. And so when the merchant says, no, 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 you don't understand. This is just economics, not wickedness. What God does is he opens up the basket and he says, it looks a lot like an idol to me. It looks a lot like the stuff that brought about ruin and destruction on your city. It looks a lot like the stuff that, if it is not removed, will destroy everything around you. So when God says, when I say, I want all the evil gone, I don't mean for you to limit it and say, oh, just the really bad stuff, right? He says, no, 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 every hint could lead to the destruction of peace and shalom in this place. We can't impose the limit of quality on the evil in our land. We have to be made new. But I wonder if there's not another limit that uh, is going on here in our minds. Another limit when we hear uh, God say, I want to take and remove all that is evil in this land and, and, and put it far away where it can never hurt anyone else ever again. And some of us sit here and we hear that and we go, absolutely. Absolutely. We want justice. We want to scrutinize and, and, and tear apart everything in this world and find everything that's broken and throw it away, right? We want accountability. We want justice. And we want it now for those people who are over there, those people who, who are not me. Because the second limit is not a limit... Uh, of, of quality, but it's a limit of partisanship. It's the limit that we impose when we say, those people who are, are different from me, those people who have a different view of the world, those are the people who are wrong in the world. Those are the people who bring evil in the world. And sure, we want accountability. Sure, we want them removed. Sure, we want them impeached if they're a political figure. And as long as we can put all the evil on their bucket, we're all for evil leaving. But if it ever turns back to us, well, we're not so sure. We live in a time in which uh, we have, uh, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but a, a level of divisiveness within Christendom that is remarkable. A remarkable because when, with one side is looking at the other and saying, no, 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 you 
are doing what is evil in this world. You are bringing about evil. So you might have one person, right? Who says, I know what is wrong with this world. I know what is evil, where, the evil that needs to be removed. The evil that needs to be removed, that's easy. It's the, the sexual immorality, right? It's the pornography, the infidelity, the homosexuality, the divorce. Oh, I, it's the personal irresponsibility and lack of ethics therein. That's what's evil and must be removed. And you can picture a, another Christian looking at them and going, whoa, 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 that's just fundamentalism. That's intolerance. That's evil by itself. No, what's wrong in the world is there, there are systems that oppress people. Where the, the poor are left without food and, and adequate health care. What's wrong and evil in the world, what needs to go is, is the sexism, the classism, the prejudice of any kind. The enabling of violence that occurs in the halls of our churches, that is what's got to go. Right, and you can picture the other, uh, the the other Christian looking at them, and you've you know going, oh, that's CRT or that's Marxism or or whatever the case may be, and back and forth they go, each pointing to the other, saying, no, what you represent is what's evil, and what I represent is good. And I picture Zechariah just looking at him, you know, following the the ping pong match back and forth, going, huh. Because you see, to, the, to an ancient Israelite, there's not a distinction of, of wickedness that is personal morality and the wickedness of uh, built into the structures therein. The term, the Hebrew word for wickedness that we see in verse 8 is a comprehensive term. It's used interchangeably of personal individual sins and, and corporate structural sins. It's used interchangeably in religious settings and in social justice settings. It's a word that is used anywhere and everywhere that there is something that is not according to God's design. Because when Zechariah sees this vision, he hears that what God means says all. He means all. All of the above must go if there's to be peace in the city. Um, uh, my family, uh, my, great, my great-grandfather lived as a grocer, right? Um, he, this is back in the early days of the grocery business when it was still little shops, little houses on the, the corners. You can actually, if you drive around these neighborhoods near here that were built around that time, you can see all the little corner stores. You can see they they're usually have a squared off facade on the front. And it, uh, he lived in the grocery business through that, through the disruption, but um, I remember my grandfather telling me a story of growing up and as he started to take over that business in his adulthood. And there was a question uh, uh, in which um, there was a common practice when you sold meat at the deli counter, right? That, that you would just let your thumb rest on the scale as, as the meat was doing. It would kind of artificially increase the amount of weight that was on the scale and thus would generate more profit, kind of a slightly more modern-day version of the, the EFA, right? And you can picture somebody coming and saying, no, no, that's, that's clearly 
evil, right? You are lying about the weight of the meat that you're selling. You're making the scale go farther. You're pressing the scale farther down and selling them the weight of your thumb in addition to the meat that they're buying. That is what's evil in the world. And the grocer may turn around, though, and say, but, but if I want to stay in business, how can I keep up? Because everyone up and down the street is doing this same thing. And so the way that economics work is, is that the farmers assume that they can sell the, the meat a little bit higher because there's an inflation on the poundage when it's sold. Or the customers expect the price per pound to be a little bit cheaper because the, what they don't know is, is that everyone who's selling it to them includes a thumb on top of the weight there. So it's not that I'm doing something dishonest. It's the whole system is premised on the fact that there's extra weight that's sold to the person, which is evil. In God's economy, he says, yes. Yes, it is, dis- it is, it is wrong to be personally, uh, to the personal dishonesty of actually stealing from a customer. It is also evil that, uh, that such an economic system exists where the poor And those who are disliked are unfairly targeted in the process. If Jerusalem is to be made new, then it's both the structure and the personal decisions that have to end. It's the racism that's baked into education and housing, and it's the sexual immorality that must come to an end if this Jerusalem is not going to follow the path of the old. Third, and quickly, we'll do the last one here. There's a limit, not just uh, uh, the, the way that we limit when God says all, and we go, okay, but just the, the really bad stuff, right? And then there's a way in which we limit God, and when he says, I want all the evil gone, and we go, and by all you mean their evil, right? But there's a third one, and that is the limit that we impose on ourselves, a load limit when we say, this is all we can handle. God has wired us. He has, he has created us to be people who want to remove evil, but there's only so much that we can keep track of. There's only so much that we can do. There's only so much that we change. And so slowly, imperceptibly to us, we start to lower our standards of what is good and what is evil. We start to shrug off evil in this world because we think there's no way I can keep up with all of this. Which points us to this vision, the most encouraging part of it. And that is who is doing the removing. What is do, who is doing the removing? You see, the removing is not the job of the people in Jerusalem. The, the removing of wickedness, the removing of the basket is done by an angel. It's done by these weird and creepy stork-winged women. Right, It is done by those servants of God as he has commanded because you see the removing of evil from every nook and every cranny, the true end of evil is done by God. And so when we sit and we become overwhelmed at the scope and the, the size of what has, must happen for evil to end, this text does not invite us to lower our expectations it invites us to lift our gaze to heaven. 
It does not invite us to, to call evil good or okay or just the way it is. It invites us to look for one who can make all things right. I have a neighbor who is um, amazing with building things and, and uh, renovating uh, all sorts of things. And, and right now in his, in his shop, he's got an Airstream trailer, travel trailer, that he's reconfiguring. You know what I'm talking about, those really sleek campers from mid-century. Um, and he's restoring the whole thing. And I went over there and I looked at his project the other day. And... Um, and we've been, you know, following along, and he was real excited because he had just replaced the, the top back onto the, the trailer. And we started talking about the project because I knew that when he had, he had purchased this old rusty uh, trailer and he had got it and he'd taken the, the top off and he realized that the trailer underneath was all rusted out. And so the first thing he did is he built a whole new trailer, right? He welded together a whole new frame and, and had it galvanized and... And then he said, yeah, now I put the skin back on, and oh, but I'm going to replace this panel, outside panel, and I'm going to replace that outside panel, and I'm going to replace that outside panel. And we walked around, and, and he literally said all but two panels, I think, of the outside he was going to replace. And he said, and then I'm going to start, and I'm going to tear out all the inside panels and redo all the electric, and I'm going to redo all the plumbing. And I'm going to redo all the panels on the inside of the building and build all, put all new furniture in there. And I said, it kind of sounds like you're just rebuilding the whole thing from the ground up. And he is. It's overwhelming and it's exhausting to think about, but I'm not the one who's doing the rebuilding, am I? Imagine if the travel trailer could speak, and you, and you go, wait, wait, you're going to take apart the whole frame underneath me, and you're going to put new tires on, and you're going to take apart every part of my shell and, and replace it, and you're going to rip out all of the insides and build it back new. It's an overwhelming thought. It's something that could never happen. It's something that in our humanness we can never dream of. But if there is a builder... If there is one who has come to make all things new, then nothing, not even building a travel trailer from the ground up, is impossible for him. And it's at this point that we realize that the new Jerusalem that is being built in this vision is not the Jerusalem that was built in the 8th century, in the 6th century BC, excuse me. It's not the Jerusalem that was being built in Zechariah's time. It is the new Jerusalem that Jesus builds when he returns and makes all things new. And so the invitation for us is not to look at the evil and, and to become militant or isolationist or alarmist. Our invitation is for us is to be people who wait and cooperate who don't settle with evil, but neither do we try to go Rambo on evil all by ourselves, but people who wait on the Lord, people who have no need to limit when God says he's going to remove evil, but people who look to him to do it. We have an opportunity here this morning to hear this. And maybe open our eyes to things in our lives 
things in our circle of influence that are evil, and we should respond impatiently with those things. We should seek uh, through prayer and wisdom God's uh, freeing grace to free us from that evil. But over and over and over again, it invites us to see every time we see evil in our lives, every time we see evil in our world, is to lift our eyes to him, the one who is building the new Jerusalem, the one who has come to end all our evil. Pray with me. Father, we pray this morning that you would do a work in us, that you would see what is unsightly in us, that which we have assumed uh, an evil that we can't get rid of, an evil that we're not strong enough to avoid, an evil that we've made peace with. God, I pray that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would expose those things to us, but that you would not leave us in our despair, but that you, bringing the grace and the hope of your coming kingdom, lead us to look to you as our Savior, to look to you as the one who puts the pieces back together again. We lift our eyes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.